0: to this podcast recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, how we doing? I'll tell you something funny, right? That, that, um, all that kind of like prophecy and stuff like that, and, and and what the words that were coming out. Oh, computer, don't turn off. No, that's better. Right there we go. Like it's it was so in line with what I was going to preach on. So to be honest, coming off the back of that, I'm not so worried. Like, no problem. I think I can do it. I like you said ten. I say an hour. Let's sell it twenty minutes, right? Twenty minutes. I have twenty minutes of attention, right? Expect that from my children. All right. Okay. So. Tell hey, you what, right, man, the source, God, God is the source. Like we just experienced God as the source right there, amen? Yeah. The source of God came and filled this place. His word is the initiating action. It is what comes and it changes things, it transforms things. His word goes out. Let's read Isaiah 55. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah 55:11 11, this is God speaking. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. God's word, the source, it is is inevitable. His word is inevitable. When I sometimes say things to my kids not always inevitable. <laughs> it's usually inevitable. They will pretend not to hear it. But, but when God's word goes out, it is inevitable. Yes. When he says, this is what's going to happen, it yes. doesn't return to invite. Yeah. Yeah. His word yeah. is the source. His word is undeniable. Yeah. When it, and when you think of his word, if we think of uh, John 1.14, it says, Jesus is the word became flesh. He is the embodiment of God's word. He was crucified to pay the debt of our sin, resurrected to establish us as his children, to have everlasting life with the Father in the presence of God. His word, it sits above all things it is like these lights along the front row. it is the light that illuminates it is the light that sits above everything and casts a light upon every single shadow. It is the light that transforms it changes it alters every scenario when, when I think of like changes, when I think of conversions in the bible there's really there 's none that stand out to me more than the apostle paul apostle paul 's conversion is in so many ways, there's so many parallels to just our own lives. I know for myself, my own life, there are so many parallels that I can draw. There's so much symbolic of what happened in his life that I know happened in mine. He was a man who was uh, who followed his convictions. He followed his convictions. Now, his convictions involved murdering Christians yeah. <laughs> in the name of God. My convictions weren't quite so savage, but they were, they were nowhere, they weren't, any more honorable <clears throat> my convictions were ones of carnality of ones of the sensual of trying to get that high and keep the high going so that i wouldn't sink the ones of just constantly seeking out that affirmation so that i felt like i mattered those those were my convictions and i did them in the name of god's grace and forgiveness of those things i was a true believer you know, the sound of his word, it's the light. The light can surround us, yet at the same time never penetrate us. Until we hear his word. When, he, when we hear his word, it captures you. It shakes you from your apathy. It points out your misguidedness. On the road to Damascus. Paul was on his way to persecute some Christians and the light of God, the word of God, shone upon his life and it turned everything else off. His plans, his ideas, his vision, everything was turned off. All that was left was the word. Mm -hmm. In my life, on the the wreckage of my life, (laughs) on this funeral pyre of bad choices, (laughs) burning with the consequences of fire, I heard. I heard God's voice. It was the voice I'd been ignoring. It was the sound I'd been pushing to the very back. The sound I'd been trying to fill in with all these other sounds. But over the sound of that fire, man, I heard the word of God. In Matthew 13, verse 15. Hearing, you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing, you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Hearing him irrevocably changes you. All of the lies that we've cling to, all of the lies that we've built our lives around are... Instantly incinerated. <laughs> the, the, the light that he shines upon us, it, it, it chases away, it, it banishes, it illuminates all of the oppressing darkness. All of the shadows have to instantly disappear. And then we're left with this decision. Because the void that's left behind is, it's undeniable. What do we do with that void? Do we, do we go and find some new lies? to fill that void with? Some more tricky lies, some some lies that we won't untangle ourselves from as easily as we did the first time? Or do we leave the void just to be there and allow it to swallow us? Allow the abyss of despair to come and just capture us and destroy us? Or do we allow his life, Do, do we beckon in his light? Inside to illuminate us, to put His light upon the inside, to make that void and make it full of Him. Yeah, yeah. Fill Him, fill ourselves with His love. In receiving His light, His love, His word, we turn the entire direction of our lives to a stance that faces Him. And it's in that stance, and only in that stance, that His love begins to heal us. In Romans 12, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It takes faith to face the voice. It takes faith to release your grip on the habitual, the things you're familiar with. It takes faith to do that. Whoever understands, more will be given. But whoever does not understand, even what was revealed to them will be taken away. That's the Bible. What God puts in front of you, the revelation that he puts in front of you, it is yours to engage with. It's yours to pick up. Or else it disappears through a trap door. Mm, mm. (coughs) Like, it's there for you. But if you don't pick it up, if you don't engage with that truth, then it disappears like sand through your fingers. Mm. Paul followed that instruction. He was left with very little choice. There was nothing else. It was everything else had been shut off. The only thing he had was this rope. This rope, this word of God. Not literally a rope. That probably was confusing. But like a, this, this sort of rope, this, this, this anchor, something for him to take himself to the next stage. That's all he had. I needed to let go of all the things which I thought kept me from falling. It's like I was hanging on to all of these things, these relationships. These ideas, these dependencies. And I thought, if I let go of these things, then I will fall and I will cease to matter. I will disappear. And it took faith to let go. And, oh, the ground was there the whole time. The ground was, it was right there beneath my feet. It was right there. God is steadfast. Said, let go. Hey, look, I'm not going to dash you on the rocks when you fall. It's right there. The straight road, the hard rock the rock on which I built my church, it is right beneath your feet. Yeah, come on. And that faith, that it, it bears a second step. That we turn, we face God, and his healing comes upon us. That he heals our souls and he revives our spirit man. John 3, 3. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see you the kingdom of God. You are reborn. Mm, yes. Paul was, his rebirth was so profound that he changed his name. He was called Saul. and He changed his name. Changed his name to Paul and I think it's not a massive change. <laughs> like it's one letter, right? And I think there have been people who have oh I thought he was called Paul, Saul. Oh right, it's Paul. And they just wouldn't have even realized. Yeah. but. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? It's not like a It's like one letter. It's like, ah, right. But here's here's the thing, right? Saul, he was called Saul before. Who was Saul? Saul is the same name as the first king of Israel. The first man who was (laughs) raised up to be king. And what is he known for? He was known for, he was the first king. And he was the first king that God had to put aside. Because his reign, with downfall, was by pride and arrogance. A pride that he knew how to fulfill God's purposes. He knew what to do. That I will not have to listen exactly to what God says. I'm going to do it my way. Did it my way. (laughs) (laughs) What does Paul mean? Paul means small. Paul means humble. Pretty amazing, isn't it? He went from being named after the first king who was synonymous with pride and arrogance, which was pretty similar to the way he was carrying his life. So I know how to follow God. I'll persecute all these people here, I don't understand. To being called small and humble. God, Almighty God, He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Who am I? I am small. Paul's always in the Bible, and you read about it, he calls himself slave servant all the time and I I sometimes think God's like no no no, you're not a slave you're my son (laughs) but isn't it so much better being that way than going hey God I'm a prince I'm a king he goes "Ah, I'm going to have to put you aside (laughs) not so much isn't it better that way humble Mm -hmm. he was reborn he was reborn see Christ he healed Paul and then he gave his eyesight back healed him, and then he showed him a new calling. He opened up a new world for him. I know for myself, I I didn't even realize I was blind. It wasn't until he lifted my impairment that I realized what I couldn't see before. In John 1, verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That you were born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth see one of christ's ministry milestones is the transfiguration that that time when he stood on top of the mountain and just all of that he he this form of beautiful spiritual state that he was radiant and resplendent in glory that he was He was sort of in his deity, but while in his humanity. He stood and it was like his glory just came upon him. He stood there, son of God, but also son of man at the same time. And it is this pivotal moment because it's when human nature meets God. With a meeting place of the temporal and the eternal with God as the connecting point. With Jesus as the connecting point, the bridge between heaven and earth. His transfiguration shows the purpose of his life on earth. To be the link that repairs the chain. Being both fully God and fully man, he connects us to his family. He connects us. He shows that he is that missing link. He's the cornerstone. He's what makes the whole thing work. He's what makes us a part of God. He's what makes us the children of God. And once we behold him, there is something that changes on the inside. And it makes our, our contribution, what we do, how we pursue God, become so much more natural. I, I was trying to think of an example for it. And the only one I could think of was like going into fourth gear. Anyone who drives a manual, going into fourth gear is one of the most satisfying feelings ever. Because as you pull back, yeah. you depress the clutch and you pull back the gear step. And all of the hard work is done. Yeah. All, of the, all of the hard work is done in one, two, and three. They're the ones who get you to where you're going. Mm-hmm. But fourth gear, you are cruising. Yeah. Your fourth <laughs> gear, you've arrived at what you wanted to be doing in the first place. You pull back and you ride. You ride, you've arrived at where you need to be. And what you need to do becomes so natural. There is no need to strive. You don't need to strive anymore. When you see God, when you see that he is son of God and son of man, that he is the link that makes us part of his family, that welcomes us as children of God, everything else becomes so much more natural. You don't need to strive any longer. When Paul received, he like almost immediately started preaching Jesus is the son of God, which was pretty astonishing to the people who just a fairly small amount of time previously, thought that he was going to murder them. Mm. And in a great twist of irony, his preaching was so powerful that the other Jewish leaders figured they'd better get rid of him. Yeah. They plot to murder him as well because what had happened was he had seen God. He had seen Jesus and it just, oh, this all makes sense now. And the zeal with which he had been trying to do what he was doing before instantly transformed into a zeal for pursuing God, for advancing his kingdom. After I received Christ, after I recognized this, I couldn't keep the words, couldn't keep the revelation on the inside. I sought out my friends, my friends who weren't saved. I spoke to them because I could see how God had healed me. I could see how he had redeemed me, how he'd restored me. And I wanted that for them. Because I'd lived the same life as them. I was carrying the same burdens as them. I had had the same void within me as them. And I knew, because i tried everything else, that this was the only thing that satisfied. This is the only thing that filled the void. This is the only thing that kept on giving instead of me always wanting more. I couldn't contain that gift on the inside. I wanted to see the healing done in me, done in others. In Acts 1, verse 6. When they had come together, this is just before Jesus goes back to heaven, after he's been crucified. He's just meeting with them after he's been resurrected. When they had all come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power Mm -hmm. when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hey, when Jesus went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to come around our lives. He Is the irrepressible truth that we carry. The irresistible love that we display. The indomitable will to pursue him. Where? To the ends of the earth. Amen? Let's have a bit of keys. You know what? I I remember that feeling. I remember that rush. I remember that, that purity. Of desire on the inside. To seek after the kingdom of God, to seek after his things, to seek after those who were lost. And what sometimes troubles me is that 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 feeling sometimes hits me like nostalgia. That the recklessness with how I used to carry myself, the reckless ways in which I had have been tempered, have been civilized, have been sanitized. Like a jagged rock that's just been eroded a little, and doesn't have the same sharpness to them. But I look at Paul, and Paul's fire, it wasn't dampened. What He, was, he remained uncomplicatedly single-minded throughout. Yeah. He was a maniac <laughs> in the best possible way. Why? Because the further that we get away from that source... The harder it is, hear the beat, to stay in rhythm, to stay in time. What are we here for? What did Jesus come for? My last verse, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful. What did he come to establish an order? His kingdom. What does he preside over in peace? His kingdom? Who's gonna call him wonderful? His kingdom. He is counselor to who? His kingdom. He is mighty God, sovereign over his kingdom. He is prince of peace of his kingdom. He is everlasting father to his kingdom. And what will endure forever? His kingdom. That's the source. That's what we came for. That's what he came for. And that's what he established on the inside. You never get that offbeat. You never get that much out of rhythm when that is the source. He beats the drum. He sounds the beat. He says, this is the source. This is the purpose. This is the reason for our being. That what he performed in me, he wants to do in the person next to me. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? For joining with us. For more information about events, service times, and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.